Well, let's dive in this morning. If you uh, have you been here, you know that we've been this uh, our small group initiative and our our talk for the entire uh, for the really the last six or seven weeks has been on this uh, on the topic of love, right? And we've talked a lot about love. Last week we, we we named just briefly even just the understanding of love being selfless. And you read about it in your book this week. You you covered it in your small group. And it was just a and it's one of those things about this, this study that's been great is that it's just been so practical and it's been so relevant. I don't know about you, but I'm in relationship with people every day, right? I'm talking to people. I'm hanging out with people. And so and it's been funny. I've been really aware of the things that I've that I've even said. Like it, it, listen, there Scripture is really clear that. Those who teach have a greater weight of responsibility on their lives, right? Because they're, they're, they're speaking on behalf of God the things that are on his heart. And, and so I've been very sober uh, for the last several, I mean, I'm always sober, but the things that I've been speaking, right? I'm always sober, right? Except on game day, just kidding, right? But, um, no, but seriously, I'm always sober about the things that I speak on a Sunday because I'm like, God, I mean, I've got to, if anyone's going to express this, it's got to be the pastor, right? No, but it's, seriously, it's just this thing, and I, and I sit back, even this week, and I'm aware, just aware of all these moments of my life where I've, uh, this past week even, that I've been given opportunity to express selflessness, and, and like you, like hope, like many of you probably, I miserably failed again and again and again, like, right? I don't know about you, but seriously, I can just sit, I would sit back at the end of my day, and I'm like, and I look at my day and go, oh my gosh, I so dropped the ball on that moment, right? I so did not express true love in the context of, of that relationship. You know, and, and you think that I say that just to make you feel better, but I really mean it, right? I, mean, I, I just, I, mean, I could sit here and tell you moments of my kids and my wife and my friends, my dad even, that I just totally missed being selfless this week, that, that after the fact I recognized how selfish I had been in a moment. And I recognize in that moment, like, God, there's so much room for me to grow in the area of love. And I don't just say that just to, just to say it. I really mean it. It's like that, that this is such a practical and relevant message, this understanding of love. Because if we love well, we said that changes every relationship we're in. It changes, it changes our, ultimately changes our community as it changes our church. And so, again, I've just been so aware of, of really my inadequacies. And I read this prayer this week from a guy that, that I, when I read it, it I, I just thought, my gosh, this guy is taking the words out of my mouth. And I think probably, I'm going to read it here in a second, I think it probably fits you also, at least some of you, not all of you maybe, but at least some of you, maybe your own, your own understanding, your own experience of love and, and the difficulty of doing that. It says this, and just, just follow along, just read it, or just, just listen to me as I say it. It says, Oh God, I hate my husband. Oh God, I hate my wife. I can't stand my children. My parents are driving me nuts. I hate the people I work with and I don't even like the folks at church. I don't love my neighbors. And I can barely stand to see my own family. Oh, God, help me. I don't love anyone right now. And even though no one else knows it or sees it, I'm an angry person. I'm filled with bad thoughts and completely lacking in any kind of love. If you don't help me, I will never love anyone. Because I know I can't change the way that I am Lord God. Please help me. Change me. Let your love flow through me. If you want me to love others, you're going to have to do it through me because I can't do it 
myself. You know, as I read that prayer this week, my thought was that really echoes the heart, I think, of every single follower of Jesus, if we're actually honest with ourselves and with Jesus. That it is not easy loving people. It is not easy loving people you're around every day. It's not easy. And this guy, I feel like he's echoing my own heart's cry. God, it's so difficult to love people that I live around every day because they're just not nice and it's really all their fault. Right. If we're honest, that's what we think. We always put it on blame elsewhere. We never own blame for ourselves. Right. This this nature of understanding this guys is echoing. So this morning, while I want to make it very clear and I want you to hear this from from the I said it for the very first week and I'm going to say it again in the last week and I want you to hear it forever. Love is a choice, right? It's not something, it's not an emotion, and it's not a feeling. Love is a choice. It's a choice that you make to step towards something. And so last week was our, our, our choice of, of expressing selflessness, love being selfless, right? That was the thing from last week. And so this week, you had an opportunity. I'm going to choose to be selfless. That's what you got to choose. You got to choose selflessness. But let me tell you how it works. When I choose to love by being selfless, it's a choice, right? It's a choice. And I make my step towards it. And once I take that step towards selflessness, then the Holy Spirit comes and actually then empowers every step that I take. It's my choice to move forward, right? It's my choice saying, Jesus, you've given me the spirit of self-control. I'm controlling self, right? And I'm moving now towards loving. Love is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a decision I make. And all of a sudden, as I take that step, the Holy Spirit empowers powers me. That's the prayer of this man right here or this woman, whoever it was. God, as I take, as I step towards, empower me to love well. That's it. Love is a choice. You don't feel like doing it. You don't even want to most of the time. Who wants to love their enemies? That's the context of the truest nature of love in Scripture is the way that you love your your enemy. You love your enemy in relationship with your enemy, how you love them in a selfless way. That's a defining characteristic of love. And so this idea here of coming and saying, we need help. So what I want to do this morning is this, if you, I want to look at the 1 Corinthians 13, 6 and 7 here. Bibles, you can turn there. I'm going to focus on verse 7. But what I want to focus on this morning is kind of the last, this kind of primary thing. It's called the secrets of lasting love. It's no real secret, but this is what we're naming it because it sounds cool to say that, the secrets of lasting love. If you do these things, these are the things that you do, right? These are these primary pieces that you invest into. These are the primary choices that you're making every day. And then, as saying this, this is how I do it. God, God, I don't feel like loving selflessly this mean person in my office who is slandering me and talking bad about me. But God, I know that you're calling me to be selfless. So Jesus, I'm just letting you know that I'm about to take this step, but I'm not going to go real far unless you empower me because I really hate them. I'm completely honest, right? I hate them. I want to just reiterate between you and me, not to anybody else. I hate them. As much as a person going to loathe somebody else, God, I hate them. I just want you to know that little H-A-T-E going on here, God, I hate them, right? But I'm going to make the step in obedience to you, God. Here I go. 
empower me than to flesh it out so that emotions and feelings get birthed behind it. That's what we're talking about. I take that step into selflessness. I take these steps, these chosen choices, and I say, God, I'm taking, but I cannot. Listen, this is what we're getting at. You can't complete your step. That's what I'm getting at. Unless the Holy Spirit, unless Jesus, the power of God, unless you ask, say, Jesus, I give myself over to you, and I'm asking you, I'm taking this step. I don't want to, but I know I should. Help me. Empower the step. And so I get up and I do this and the Holy Spirit follows through. I want you to keep that picture in your mind until you die. Because when you get to heaven, you'll fully understand it. But I want you to keep that in mind until you die. Every step, every choice is a choice that we make. We ask the Holy Spirit to empower as we take. So here we go. First Corinthians 13, 6 and 7. Love does not delight in evil. Pretty straightforward, right? Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth and the things of truth. And again, he, he speaks truth right here. Verse 7. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes and it always perseveres. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. These are the four components, the four secrets of lasting love. Number one, love always protects. Love always protects. Now, this is taken from a Greek word, stego, S-T-E-G-O, stego, stego. It has in mind, the definition of stego is a thatch roof or a covering over a building. Basically, it's just a roof, right? All of us understand how a roof works. You put a roof, what's the first thing you do when you get on Survivor? You go out and you build yourself a roof. Why? Because the elements are coming down and it's hard to sleep when you're wet and smelly and grimy, right? So you put a roof over your head, what does it do? Keeps out the rain, the snow, the heat or the cold, right? Hail hits the roof, doesn't hit your head. Have you ever been hit in the head by hail? Anybody in this room? Man, I don't know. When I was, play, when I was a kid, about seven years old, they had us playing in a hailstorm one day. I'm going to forget. Whap, right? And these kids are screaming, give 110%. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, right? But anyways, like this whole thing, it does not feel good getting in the head, getting hit in the head by hail. Get under a roof. This is what it means when it says love protects. Love act, love as protecting always like a roof over your relationships. Listen, if, if you came up to me today and you just had a random question and said, Steve, why, how come you never cheat on your wife? How come you never cheat on your wife? I would say, well, because I love well. I love God and I'm being obedient to him by being faithful, and I love my wife, and I'm going to protect anything from the outside to come in and get into our relationship. Do you see how love protects? Do you know that there, are, there is a very real enemy pressing from the outside, trying to destroy every primary relationship that you have in your life? It can be called alcohol, it can be called family, it can be called mother-in-law, it can be called children, it can be called, it can be called boss, it can be called work, it can be called hobbies. It can be called anything, y'all. 
Anything from the outside that intervenes and tries to break in. Listen, there's a book called The Severe Mercy. And in this book, they called it The Shining Barrier. They were, they called itself, they called themselves pagan love. They were not Christians. They said, we're not gonna, this is, we're gonna, but we're gonna, we love one another, right? They decided not to have children because those, their children would, in their own opinion, would limit their love for one another because they wanted to give it solely to one another, right? Now I'm not making any profound statement in that. I'm simply saying they wanted to love one another well. That's all I'm getting at. And they said, we're going to create a shining barrier. That was the phrase. There's a shining barrier. that not, Our barrier, like a, like a castle wall, nothing's going to be, be able to penetrate that and get in and break up our love for one another. But love is supposed to always protect every relationship that you're in. Nothing should get in and intervene. How many of you know people... Or, or even yourself, in any relationship, at work, at home, or in your neighborhood, something has gotten in and divided because something from the outside was able to intervene. But love always puts up the shining barrier. Love, the first thing love always does is puts up a roof so that nothing can get in. Also, the other part of a, of, 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 excuse me, of love protecting and being like a roof is the idea that there, sometimes there are things that should stay inside the roof. Right? How many of you know things about someone you're in a relationship with that nobody else knows? And the last thing that you need to be going and doing is sharing something like that to anybody. I don't care if it's your best friend. Especially don't share it with your family. Because it belongs between you and your spouse or the person who shared something secretive with you or something that you're aware of in that relationship, right? Love always protects that person by not stabbing them in the back, right? By not coming and criticizing them in public, right? Not coming and speaking out their flaws so that everyone can see that, right? How many of you have had someone who's spoken about your flaws or your insecurities, right? Out in public and it just damaged you to, to no end, right? Love always protects and keeps its mouth shut. It keeps its mouth shut. There are people right now who should probably turn to their spouse and ask for forgiveness for things that they've stated because love is always supposed to protect. Doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean it keeps in sin issues, right? Doesn't mean that it hides things that it shouldn't hide, right? Even though I'm getting there are things that you should speak up about, right? But, but as it relates to the person's heart, the person's issues, most of the time in love, it, love acts like a cloak saying, I, love covers a multitude of your own sins. Listen, minor Randall's relationship, I am not a perfect husband. Do you know that? Does she come and share that with you? Randall's phenomenal about keeping our stuff between us. She's great at it. She keeps it here. Why? Because love is a cloak and love always protects, right? Love always protects. It defends the character of the other person as much as possible within the limits of love. Love won't lie about weaknesses, but neither will it deliberately expose and emphasize them. Love always protects. The second thing we see is that love always trusts. Love protects, right? Love protects. We get that. And then love always trusts. This is the Greek word pistis. It's the same word that we use for faith, right? Faith and belief. We don't mean this trust is that I stand with a deep conviction. I know that I know that I know, right? This deep conviction, this, this belief, this faith, this ultimate trust in someone, right? And so trust or belief in, in a relationship, it has in mind seeing the best in people. 
Right. Seeing the best, giving the benefit of the doubt, choosing the, to believe the best in others so that you're not questioning motives. Right. That's the idea. Simply put, that people in your relationships are innocent. They are innocent until proven guilty. You give them the benefit of the doubt. You, you by nature trust them. You by nature believe the people that you are in relationship with, right? You don't treat them as if you're a lawyer cross-examining a defendant to get to the very core of what you believe they're lying about, right? You give them the benefit of the doubt. Augustine, he said, this verse means believing the best about all people. We see this expressed in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, the only thing that counts is faith or trust, right? The only thing that counts here is trust expressing itself through love. Trusting Jesus, believing Jesus, right? That even when life is breaking down around me, he still has the best in store for me. He still loves me, right? And everything is just going to hell. He is for me and not against me. This is this nature, love, always trusting, right? It means not, listen, it means not living suspicious of everyone's actions, but believing the best about them until convinced otherwise. It means not being a cynic in a relationship, about being pessimistic in your relationships, or living suspicious in those relationships. If there's a problem, I don't, love doesn't jump immediately to blame the other person, Right? Doesn't immediately blame them in family love. Trust shows itself by not grilling the person, like I said, right? It means, listen, believing your kids. Believing your kids, trusting them, expressing confidence in them. So here, here are three questions for you. How many of you live expecting people in your life to let you down? I think, uh, how many of you expect me to fail sometime the next year morally? How many of you just think, man, this is so hard today. Pastors are always falling. How many of you are living expecting me to fail morally? Most people in the world expect pastors to fail morally. By God's grace, I will never fail. Second question. How many of you, when a person does something that offends you, you immediately write them off? You immediately, you're just waiting for someone to let you down. And then when they do, you're like, oh, and you write them off. Say, well, there goes that relationship, right? And you have burned bridge after burned bridge after burned bridge after burned bridge in your relationship. Why? Because someone let you down one time. You write them off and say, well, I'm done with that relationship. Or this, how many of you, if someone does something nice, you immediately believe they have ulterior motives? They do something nice in your life, and you're like, what are you trying to get? What do you want? Right? What do you want? You think everyone has ulterior motives. Listen, I have to say, I'm thankful that by nature I'm a trusting person. It was instilled in me by my parents. In fact, when I was 17, this is like a little thing, but a massive thing for mine and my relationship with my dad specifically. When I was 17 years old, I was a, I just come out of my junior year of high school, going into my senior year, my, and my buddy uh, Brent and I had just read this magazine article about Farm 13 Stick Marsh, Right? One of the best lakes, right? Scott and I have fished it, right? You fished it before, Jay? By God's grace, you need to go down there, son. She needs to go. Okay, he needs to go. Anyway, so we go down there and went fishing the farm. It was, at the time, it was voted the number one bass lake in all of America. I was 17 years old. And I said, Dad. And Brent and I were like, we got to go. we got to go. So my dad, he went to his dad. Hey, take us fishing. No, like, ah, oh, we can't do it. And I said to my dad, listen, I was 17 years old. I said, Dad, 
can I borrow your brand new truck, your brand new boat, and will you give me your credit card so Brent and I can drive to Ocala, Florida and fish for four days? He said yes. He said yes. At the time, I didn't think anything about it. I'm like, of course he's going to give it to me. My dad loves me. Why wouldn't he want to do that, right? And so I, we hop down, we, and we go, and we drive down, and we have a great time, right? And so I get home. So anyway, so years later, literally like about a year ago, I was like, Dad, remember that time you let me go to Ocala? He's like, yeah, you said, you're an idiot. I said, no one should do that to their 17-year-old son. And he's like, why did why'd you let me do that? He said, because he said, because I, I trusted you. He said, you've never done anything to, to make me not trust you. So I figured I needed to extend trust to that degree and trust you. Did you do anything wrong? I said, no, I took care of your truck. I took care of your boat. And I'll only use your credit card to secure payment of my hotel. I use my own cash to buy my dinners and lunches. He said, I knew I could trust you. I said, you could. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right. I sat back and said, this is the nature of our relationship. Now, listen, I know that there are things people have done in your life and your kids have done. Listen, there are things that I could have done to break my dad's trust and I would have needed to, quote, unquote, earn that trust back, right? It would have been a difficult process of, of, of him releasing trust again, right? But in our lives, he automatically, he instinctively, his love compelled him to trust me until convinced otherwise. Do you see what I'm getting at? Until convinced otherwise. I trust. I'm not gullible. But I trust you, Bruce, until you convince me otherwise that I should have no business trusting you, right? But no, I trust you. I would give you my car, right? I'm gonna give, if you wanted to borrow one of my boats, I would let you do it, right? Now, if you broke it, you could pay for it, right? But it's one of those things. All the nature of stuff, whatever I have belongs to you. I trust you with it. I trust you in relationship. Spouse, trusting spouse, right? Father trusting child and child trusting father and mother. This whole nature that love always trusts. And the key evidence of of how deep trust buries into our hearts and makes refuge here is our willingness. Listen, is our willingness to give people a second chance when they blow it, not if they blow it. Jesus, disciples came and said, Jesus, how many times should we, should we forgive? Seven times? And he goes, no, 70 times seven. An infinite number of times, right? Peter denied Christ three times and Jesus knew it. And what did he do? I entrust the keys of the kingdom to you, Peter. And Peter had done nothing to earn that, y'all. But he trusted love Always trust. Love always gets a second chance. Love never writes off. Love come and trust and believes in a person, the best of that person. Until convinced otherwise. And then you rebuke them. They repent, turn back around, and then you trust them. Third thing, love always hopes. Love always hopes. Hope doesn't mean it's like, oh, I just hope, I just hope, like yesterday, I just hope we get Georgia football tickets to the Ole Miss game, right? Probably not going to happen, but I sure hope we do. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is a deep confidence, right? That that which is good and beneficial, that I look forward, like with hope is this. Let me say that again. Hope means to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. Even though there's nothing there in front of me that looks good or beneficial, 
It means I rest with hope. I rest with hope, right? Confidence. Uh, confidence that that which is good and beneficial will happen. In the present context of interpersonal relationships, that means that the one who loves always looks on the bright side of things and does not despair. In the context of your broken moments and your moments of hopelessness, that you look and say, no, by God's grace, I have hope, I have confidence, I trust and believe that better days will come. There's a story of a, of a dog, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but I read it and thought it fit in the moment, so I'm going to tell it. About a dog, but a dog who who somehow lost uh, lost contact with its owner at the airport, and for four or five years the people at the airport kind of made it their like airport mascot. I don't know how big this airport is, okay, but but they made it the airport mascot. Don't go too practical and think, well, that's not that's not humane, and da, da, da. just take it the story for what it is, okay? There's a dog at a, there's a dog at an airport. Dog in the airport for five years, this pe- the, as like the mascot of the airport, they would feed the dog, they'd take care of the dog, they'd give it a roof, right? They'd give it a stego over here, right? Protect it and care for it, right? Taking care of the dog. And they said every day they'd, take, they'd bring the dog out and the dog would run immediately to the spot where it lost, last saw its master walking away, staring at that spot. And for five years, that dog would sit there all day, look at that one spot in hope, in hope with anticipation and with confidence that that master would return, never thinking the master wouldn't, but always with deep conviction and with deep hope that the master would return. What does that mean, right? Hope is powerful. Because it fills us with anticipation of what can be in the face of what seems as if it is not. Hope, it fills us with anticipation of what could be in the face of what seems as if it is not. This is biblical hope. Love always hopes. Love in the context of of our relationships, right? In the context, it always hopes. Think about the situations of, that are most horrible right now, the ones that cause the greatest despair in your life, the ones that you're like, there's no hope. Love, in the context of relationships, listen, I understand how difficult this is, right? I, that's what the guy was getting at earlier. I hate everybody, right? I understand, but love True love, biblical love, you're going to love like Jesus has called you to love. Love always hopes. It hopes and believes the best in God, and it hopes and believes the best in others. That the relationship that we're in will not lead to death, but it will lead to life. Love always hopes. And the last one, that love always perseveres. We understand perseverance. There's no such thing as perseverance without opposition and difficulty. That's what perseverance is. Something to persevere against, right? So it has in mind this idea of continuing forward in activity despite the resistance and the opposition that's sitting there, right? It means to endure in times of pain, in times of suffering, in deprivation, in times of hatred, in times of loss, and in times of loneliness. In those moments, you persevere, right? So to reiterate, this attribute of love persevering means a believer the believer endures patiently 
and triumphantly and is not passively putting up with all the deluge of difficulties in our lives. Difficulties coming, right? And we don't bow underneath them. We don't fall. But we stand up and say, by God, I will conquer this. By God, we will get through this. By God's grace, our relationship will be mended. By God's grace, right, we will make it through this. I love, this word comes from the Greek word hupamano. It's actually a, a military term. A military term, and it, it's used of an army's holding a vital position at all costs. Can't you just see that general, right, coming up to, to his battalion, and he looks, right? Let's say all of you in this room, you're like, yeah, I, I'm the general, right, right? And I'm here, and I'm going to lead you. Just I'm up here. It makes it easier for me, right? And so I'm sitting here, and I'll just say to you, all right, guys, this wall right here, this wall right here, you have to defend it at all costs. The enemy army is about to come. They know like we know that this is the weakest wall in this whole building. And we have to stand outside and defend this wall from them getting in. You're going to have to hoop a mono. You're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to to sit here and endure the onslaught of the enemy with your head up, not running. And when you're sitting in them, you're looking off, right? You're looking off in the distance. You can just see there's peace over here. You can see the wind blowing through the willow tree. And like, if I could just get there, but no, I will hoop a mono. I will persevere in this living hell that we're going through, having to persevere in the difficulty of this relationship. I'm going to hoop a mono. I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to run away, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to work through these difficulties. Why? Because that's what love does. Love always perseveres. Love always perseveres, right? As applied to agape love, Paul is saying the supernatural love is able to sustain, the supernatural love is able to sustain the assaults of an enemy. This love is enabled by the Holy Spirit to endure persecutions, listen, in a patient and loving spirit with no desire to retaliate or to reject. You've got to hear that part about love always perseveres. It doesn't say love always attacks back. Love always perseveres. Love always takes the onslaught. Love goes to the difficulty without necessarily fighting back. Sometimes that's going to mean that I need to stand up, right? If people are running over you and it's actually destroying your relationship because they're continuing to run over you, manipulate you, and destroy your relationship, there comes a point where you have to step up and speak truth in love, saying enough is enough. I'm going to persevere even to the difficulty of difficult conversation. Why? Because I love you enough to stand up and not let you run me over so we can actually have healing and amending of our relationship. So I stand up to your onslaught to let you know I'm not going to fight back. I'm not going to punch back. I'm not going to attack you and make you feel bad about yourself. I'm simply going to sit here and speak honestly and let you know that I love you and I'm going to stand up so that relationships can be mended. But love perseveres. It continues through the difficult seasons when all hell breaks loose. I mean, listen, you know what it's like in your relationship. Anything, anything can cause difficulty in relationships. Stuff from the outside, stuff from the inside. I mean, how many of us are wrestling when, in relationships today because we have our own, we have our, uh, we have these issues in our life that aren't dealt with. And they're causing friction in our relationships today. Love always perseveres, right? 
So this is a secret of lasting love and perseverance. Hear me say this. It stays put, doesn't give up. It hangs on. It won't let go and it refuses to give in. It stays put, doesn't give up. It hangs on. It won't let go and it refuses to give in. This, these are the secrets of lasting love. And how many of you know that they're not easy, right? They seem almost impossible. In fact, you're sitting here thinking about probably all the ways that you've failed in every single one of these, probably in some context of relationship that you're in today. But true love, biblical love, always, always protects It always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. This is the message for us this morning. We must have a lasting love. We must have a lasting love. We can't do it in our own strength, but we have to make the choice towards it. Listen, when and this is real practical. When you take a, everybody hear this. When you take a step to do one of these things and someone craps on you, because it happens, doesn't it? Someone pushes back. Someone doesn't give. They don't, they don't, they don't follow along with you, right? Someone pushes back. You love, what is it? Love must always trust. Say, nope, I'm going to continue to choose this Holy Spirit. I'm not going to just try once. I'm going to continue to press on. Why? Because you've broken trust with them. They don't trust you. When you try to do the, th- the, the right thing, they're thinking, well, why are they doing that? What's the ulterior motive? Why? Because they don't trust you. But you have to be trusting. You have to be free to press through. You have to express love. Your love always protects, right? You're protecting this. You're, tr- you're building trust. You always hopes for the best thing. You, you step in. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna step on you. They're going to say no. They're going to ridicule you. And what do you do? You persevere. You stand your ground. You don't back down. You dive in. Why? Because all of a sudden, somewhere along the way, salvation occurs. There's this tipping point in relationships. Listen, if you want a tipping point in your relationship from death to life, then you must engage the secrets of lasting love. Love must protect, it must trust, it must have hope, and it must persevere. If you're looking and praying into a tipping point, then you have to give yourself to the choice of loving when it's not easy, ask for the Holy Spirit to empower you, and then by God, you're going to have to stand at that wall and persevere against the deluge of hell. That's what love does. And there's a, listen, there are lost people in relationship with you today and in your neighborhood and the place where you work who are looking for people who will hoop a mono, who will stand their ground and trust, who will persevere, who will hope and who will protect. Don't just apply it to your immediate family. You're called to express these to your enemy. And you can't get your hand, your head around that, can you? But love always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres in every relationship. You have to say, Jesus, give me wisdom. What this looks like. And there will be some of you this morning who you need to forgive 
you have you have a you have a non Jesus, you know, a non Jesus wall in your life of pain of hurt that's literally keeping you from engaging love. Someone wounded you. Someone wounded you again and again and again and again. Seventy times, seventy times seven. Jesus says, "Forgive, move on, build up a foundation, persevere, stand strong, and express love well." Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask God that that you would awaken us to this. Uh, to our call to love, Lord, we just confess that it's difficult. Lord, we just echo this guy's prayer earlier. Father, you, you, you know our hearts. God, we might not use the word hate because mom said we shouldn't when we were a kid. But if we were honest with ourselves, that's the word we would use. We hate situations. We hate difficulties. We're, we're struggling in relationships, God. It's so hard to love well. So we just pull into self. It's easier to stuff our problems than to deal with them. But Jesus, this morning, we know that you've created us for relationship with you and relationship with one another. And if we don't learn to, to love always by protecting and trusting and hoping and persevering, then, Father, it will damage our relationships. Because we're engaging selfishness when we do that. We just ask for grace this morning to step into these things, God. Father, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.